greeting in Jesus' name, the one that was willing to die for your and my sins. I'm glad we can be here this morning wanting to look into the word. Thank you for the devotions there of Brother Dave. I think it was very appropriate. Jesus will always be known as the lamb that was slain. And we see that already in heaven. That's what he's known for. Glad to be among people that want to to worship in the house of the Lord all the days of their life. And we get to start this morning with a blessing. Because we want to walk in his presence. We want to do his biddings. You know, I've been around some people, and you sometimes hear it said, when man goes through a tough time, you know, does God love me? Does God really care? You know, how can he let this happen and say he loves me? We're going to look at his answer for that this morning. So let's look at Hebrews 2. Verses 9 and 10 for starters. Hebrews 2, verses 9 and 10. Where it says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he may by the grace of God, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. For it becometh him for whom are all things and by whom are all things to bring many sons into glory and to make the captain of their salvation perfect through suffering. So here it says that even though Jesus in many, many ways is much higher than the angels, we know that he was brought lower because of his suffering of his death. In other words, I don't know why in the plan he couldn't have just died a quick death. A quick, easy death, we would call it, like a heart attack. And he could have still gave, you know, they could have had a soldier or somebody pierce his side and shed his blood. And that would have been easier. But he said, look, you know, he tasted death for everyone. I'm glad for that. He didn't exclude you. He didn't exclude me. And he, because he, he cared about the whole world. And then he says he wants to to bring people into the glory of his presence, the glory of following him, to make him the captain of our salvation. Now I had to think about that, and I looked it up in the Greek, and it means chief leader. Aren't you glad you looked to Jesus in every aspect of life for an example for your life? I had to think of captain, a well-seasoned captain of a ship. You know, when they, they've been there before, they know where they're going. They know what's there. They know where the rocks are at. They know where the, the, uh, the, the uh, they can know how to watch the radar and see where the storms are coming. They know how to run a ship, okay? And you, you can have confidence in the captain of the ship. You can have confidence in the captain of the salvation ship. He's your salvation. He's the captain. He's been there. And he knows all about what can come and what will come. He's our captain. Praise God, we can have confidence in him. And then it says, the captain of their salvation is made perfect through suffering. Now, to think, when I think most time we think of perfect, we think when a person is made perfect, that means they're imperfect. And so they're becoming perfect. That is not what this means. 
In the Greek, it means to complete the consummate. Jesus completed salvation through suffering. Okay? That's a completely different idea than a lot of times we think. Now, I do know in many places, numerous other places, perfect means uh, a maturing process to, to become mature, to grow. But that isn't even that, that isn't the interpretation here. It's to be complete, to consummate our salvation through suffering. So it's something to think about. You know, so God and Jesus chose a different route here. And it's much different than man would ever choose. Let's go to how it's spoken of hundreds of years before the death, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. You know, one time in the New Testament, Jesus was with his disciples and they were riding on the Sea of Galilee and a big storm comes up. There's all kinds of trouble. And he just calmed the water. And they just couldn't hardly believe it. And you know what they said? What manner of man is this? If they hadn't been around a man like that, that's the title of the message this morning. What manner of man is this? Because you've never seen any man like this before, and you'll probably never see one again, because he is very unique. He is very unique. Isaiah 53, cutting in at verse 3. <clears throat> he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Are we like sheep have gone astray? We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. And he was afflicted, yet he openeth not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is dumb. And the new King James, I'd like you to note on that, it says the sheep before shears is silent. That's actually a more correct translation. Before shears is silent, because we think the dumb has a different connotation there again in English than it should have in this interpretation. For this translation here. The shears is silent, so he openeth not his mouth. Uh, also verse 11 and 12 where it says, He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall many righteous servants justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he will divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Now, one thing I'd like us to remember is <clears throat> it's amazing to realize how a, a, a graphic description here of what Jesus went through for your and my salvation. It's amazing here, and we think, well, he was just willing to do that. He definitely was. But humiliation is a hard thing to take. You just think about it. Do you love being humiliated? Now, I hope you love humility. But, uh, you know, really, if we loved, if we cared about being humble, 
maybe humiliation wouldn't be quite a hard thing. It's quite a hard thing to take. You know, as I read this, it just oozes of being humiliated. See, what matter of man is this, okay? Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. You know, he was despised and rejected of men. You know, you like, it's just hard to cope with being despised by your fellow man. It's hard to cope with that. In our flesh it is. And yet Jesus was willing to do that. You know, even Jesus said thousands of years later, something like, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I gather you together, even as a hen gather chicks under her wings, and ye would not. He was rejected. And I tell you, that was painful. That was painful. What manner of man is this? He's a man that come to go endure this, to consummate, to complete your and my salvation. And that's a tremendous blessing. I can't fathom this. Here he is, the God of all the universe that made everything that was made, that wants everything good to be perpetuated and, and happen and hates sin more than we can describe. Willing to be despised for our sins. For our sins. Willing, willing to go and rejected of men. A man of sorrows. Yes, he had to endure so much. And yet, they didn't appreciate him. Everyone that rejects him doesn't appreciate him. In fact, you know, when we give in to sin... We're not appreciating it the way he should. You know, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. That's why he couldn't just die with a heart attack. Because God knew what was going to happen. And he knew those wounds and that bruising was for our sins. It had to be that way. What manner of man is this? One that was willing to go through anything and everything for our sins. Yes. It's incredible. He went through a lot of just grueling things. And we'll look at that a little bit later. In the New Testament, Luke 24, it says in verses 26 and 27, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and entered into his glory? And from the beginning, Moses and all the prophets, and at the beginning... Uh, at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. Now, to put this in context, this is Jesus. After his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, and he talked to two disciples. I wish there was a third one there, and that had been me. I wish I could have been there. Uh, just imagine Jesus talking and saying everything that was said in the Old Testament about him. And saying, now this is fulfilled now. I mean, if that wouldn't make your heart, uh, your back tingle or your heart burn, no wonder that heart burn. And uh, because that would have been amazing. You know, because I tried to review just a little bit. You know, Zacharias, uh, Jeremiah, Isaiah, 
Psalms, a number of Psalms, 22 and 69 especially. All the, well, that, I wonder how much, that would have been quite a journey. I'd love to hurt it, wouldn't you? That would have been amazing. And said, so, all this, that was describing me. That was describing me. And inevitably, all, those descriptions were how much he was going to suffer for our sins. What he was going to go through. So you and I could be born again. And he, was, he said, you know, he's just willing to do that. Wow. What an amazing journey. See, one thing I think about, Jesus knew this well in advance. So Jesus was in heaven and he heard all these things. No wonder it says in Acts 2.23, um, where that Sermon of Pentecost, where Peter was saying, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So Jesus knew all uh, beforehand what was going to happen. You know, I think we have a pretty bad time coping with what happened yesterday. And especially what happens today if it's negative. But what about if you knew what all was going to happen bad tomorrow and the next week? What if you knew all that? What if you knew what was going to happen in all your life? I was bad, you know, and men was going to say, this is you and this is this you. you. You know, I know these... Uh, I'd be hard to handle. <laughs> you know, I said, we just don't even deal too good with the past. And here Jesus had to deal with all the future. He knew it all. Yes? What manner of man is this? Amazing Savior. Amazing Savior. Wow. To realize that he just knew it all and was willing to go through that. How wonderful. How wonderful, Lord, we had... No wonder well describes in Isaiah what he's going to go through, and he was willing to do that. Well, we'd realize toward the end of Jesus' earthly life, when they come to get him, that Jesus was deserted by his disciples. Then he endured a kangaroo court. His trial lasted less than 18 hours. He was taken to six different hearings, a preliminary hearing before Annas, Hearing before Caiaphas, and a trial before the Supreme Court, first hearing before Pilate, hearing before Herod, and the last hearing before Pilate, and then I'd like to cut in at Matthew 27. Matthew 27, starting at verse 26. Then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he was scourged, Jesus, when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. I'm not going to go into a lot of that because, you know, you've heard about the bones and the objects that could be in that whip. And, uh, and, and a good bit about it. And you probably already heard about this. But one thing I did learn when I was over in Israel <clears throat> that I didn't know previously and you might have already read this, but I didn't know it previous myself, that many times when they scourged a person like this, they didn't stop when the one being scourged was about to die. They stopped when the one whipping couldn't whip anymore. I don't know if you ever thought about that. That's pretty grueling. That's pretty grueling. They didn't stop when they thought you, as the one getting the whipping, was just about in, or did die, because numerous ones they did say did die from this. And you know why? These Roman soldiers, they weren't wimps. You know what I mean? They could have been much more humanly fit than the one being whipped. 
and they would whip you. In general, I can't say every time, but in general, they would whip you till they got tired of whipping you. What manner of man is this? That's incredible. That's incredible. Now, we know that he has shed blood. His blood was shed for us. But I'm telling you, friends, he shed a lot of blood before he was on the cross. I want to tell you, there's no question. There's no question. His back could have easily been just oozing and ringed with blood. No question. I can't fathom that. King of kings and Lord of lords doing that for our sins. For our sins. Let's read on, verse 27. Then the soldiers and the governors, governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered to him the whole band of soldiers, and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had planted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and they read on his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after they had mocked him, they took the robe off and they put his, his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. I'll stop and review that just a little bit more because we can read that fairly fast and, uh, and not get the grip of it. <clears throat> Most thorns we have on our rose bushes are just little thorns. But over there, they grow pretty good thorns. And they grow these things that are several inches long, at least three or four, because they, sh they showed them to you. And uh, they put him on his head, and that would be shameful enough. And then they go ahead and hit it and, and, and beat on it. Uh, I don't know if you ever had a head injury or not. If you did, you know what would have happened. I did years ago, I had a head injury. A hammer fell off of... Uh, a distance and landed and the claws hit me in the head and I was amazed how much blood is up on the surface on your head. You'd be amazed. Uh, you see so much blood you think you're losing all your blood but it's just a fraction I'm sure but it looks like that. I want to tell you there was more than blood on his back. I think there was blood going down over his head all over the place. I tell you friends our Savior shed a lot of blood Shed a lot of blood. It didn't. They say, well, you know, I don't like this bloody religion. Well, if we don't appreciate the blood, you're not a real good, sound Christian. Your Savior did this for your sins. He was bruised for our iniquities. This was part of that salvation process. It wasn't just death. It was the bruising and the suffering that went that, through that, with that death. That made it so amazing. It, yes. What manner of man is this? Incredible. Incredible. I don't know how many of you have been spit on. But one time it happened to me accidentally. And it is a gruesome experience. Almost beyond description. Because it was an accident. But this wasn't the first time. He was already spit on uh, earlier. In this passage, you go to chapter 26, uh, 67. It was just the second time. And you don't even get an idea that he's sitting there like, oh, you know how huge, huge humans, we would have some, some notorious reaction. Uh, 
And we get here, here he is being spit on. Yeah, you know, I just can't hardly fathom this. I just can't fathom it. You know, the one that lived in heaven in all royalty and purity. Now, we say we come down to earth and was among sinful men. He was among, more than among sinful men. He experienced the lowest of human treatment to secure our salvation. What manner of man is this? He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of everything we can give him. He's worthy of, of our allegiance and loyalty. He is example of every, any suffering you've done. It pales compared to what your Jesus went through. It just pales. Oh, he's, he is such an amazing savior. And then after that, they mock him as if everything else above wouldn't be sufficient to, to bring a person just to their knees. Verse 32. And as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they come unto a place called Golgotha, that is to say a place of the skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with Gaul, and when he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. And they crucified him, and they parted his garments, casting lots, that, he, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vesture did they cast lots. And sitting down, they watched him there, and set up over his head his, accusa his accusation written, This is the king of the, Jew of the Jews. This is Jesus, excuse me, the king of the Jews. Then there were two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and one and another on the left. And they passed, and they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads, saying, Thou didst destroy the temple and build it up in, in three days. Save thyself. If thou be the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priest mocking him, with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of the Jews, king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now. If he, if he will save him, for he said, I am the son of God. The thieves also, which was crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness, over all the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there, when they heard this, that said, This man calleth for a lies. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled with vinegar and he put it on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, let be, let us see whether Elias will come and save him. And Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. <clears throat> what manner of man is this? He's a man that died 
in his body for your and my sins. And he was all, he was very much human here. Because I, I truly believe that if he wanted to, anyone that can walk on the water, he could have carried the cross. But he was all human here. Okay? He, he, was, he was there, and I firmly believe in his body, he was so depleted of physical strength, he couldn't carry his cross. I firmly believe it. I firmly believe it. And so they found one that would carry the cross because he was, and this whole process is for our sins, for our sins. And so they come there and they crucified him. Yes, they crucified him. And here's the sovereign Lamb of God, the one that has all power and showed it many times over, just willing to lay down on the cross and voluntarily gave his life for our sins, just voluntarily. Nail on the hand, nail on this hand, nail on the feet, and there was no reaction. No, no reaction. Yes. And I, I, it, it seems to appear <clears throat> that this did affect heaven quite dramatically. Darkness in the middle of the day. Darkness in the middle of the day. Now, I don't know what all that was and why it was, but I know this was, a, this was one of the most earth-shaking events that has ever happened on the earth. I don't think there's been anything that everything pales compared to that other than three days later, okay? I'm glad that Easter was there too. Aren't we glad for that? But I think up to this date, this is the most important event that ever happened on the face of the earth. The, the, the Son of God was hanging there, blood dripping on his face, blood on his back, and his body being willing to be pierced for our sins. The wonderful privilege of the blood of Jesus. No one says in uh, Ephesians 1 verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. There's no other way to be redeemed than by the blood of Jesus. And he spilt it, and he spilt a lot of it for our sins. It was said, there's a Roman politician and writer that's in a century before Christ wrote concerning crucifixion. It's the most cruel and shameful of punishments. Let it never come near to the body of a Roman citizen. Nay, not even near the thoughts or eyes or his thoughts or eyes or ears. It was such a shameful way to die. They knew it and Jesus knew it. So crucifixion was an unspeakable, horrible execution and punishment. One that we can't hardly fathom. Uh, there was no way to overstate the gruesomeness and the cruelty that your and my Savior went through. There's no way to overstate it. It's hard to even fathom. It's hard to even imagine. And yet he did it for our sins. Yes, because he loved us. He was willing to go through this. Very willingly. No wonder it says in John 10, verses 17 and 18, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I laid down my life, 
that I may take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received from my father. He just laid it down willingly. But there was a real process before that of that suffering and, and cruelty that's hard to imagine. Calvary is the most extravagant act in all of history. It's the most extravagant, grueling act of all of history. Yes. No wonder, Paul said a few years later, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And you and I receive, can receive it and have it today. What a tremendous blessing. One time a songwriter wrote, I think words that speak to us a little bit, and I'd like to, to read a few of them. Oh, sacred head now wounded with grief and shame weighed down. Now scornfully surrounded with thorns, thy only crown. O sacred head, what glory, what bliss till now was thine. Yet though despised in gory, I joy to call thee mine. O noblest brow and dearest, in other days the world, all feared when thou appearest, what shame on thee is hurled? How didst thou, how art thou pale with anguish, with sore abuse and scorn? How did, how dost thou vintage language, which once was bright as morn? What language shall I borrow to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end? Oh, make me thine forever. And shall I fainting be? Lord, let me never, never outlive my love for thee. What manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? Scripture says, but God commanded his love toward us that while we, yet, we were yet sinners, Jesus died for you and me. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Gracious Father, we're just so impressed by your love for us. Lord, we can't fathom the gruesomeness of this process to secure our redemption. But Lord, we're so thankful that Jesus was willing. And Lord, we're here this morning to adore you, to worship you, to thank you, and to give our total allegiance to you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus' shed blood. And Lord, we thank you that he was willing to more than just die. He was willing to suffer for my sins. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, this morning, I just thank you for each child of yours that's here this morning. I thank you for each one that could hear this message. Lord, I pray you'll touch our hearts. That this won't be just an emotional event. It'll be from the heart of worship. It'll be a heart of loyalty. Lord, thank you. You give us that opportunity to serve you. We're not worthy to be your children. But thank you that Jesus made the way that we can be. And it's his blessed name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.